Hey, Love Intently Tribe. Welcome back to the Love Intently Podcast. I'm Sophie Kwok, your host and the founder of Love Intently, where our mission is to empower thriving relationships. This week's couple, Heather and Fayez, the co-founders of Prep to Your Door, a local, organic, and responsible meal prep delivery service that's based in Austin, have a phenomenal love story and episode for you. They get really honest and raw with conversations around being an interracial couple, overcoming addiction, the difficult conversations you have to have when your partner in life is also your partner in business. And man, I also have to say that I personally love their company and what they do. One thing that a lot of people don't know about me is that I'm actually very passionate about sustainability and that's something that I try to be really conscious of. I don't nearly do as good of a job as I could and I'm working towards, but as far as meal delivery goes, they go above and beyond. They recycle the mason jars that they use to deliver it and they actually will come to your house and pick up those old mason jars that your meals were in and reuse them. They have this whole process where they sanitize it and then they put next week's meals into them. And y'all, the food was so good. If you're in Austin and have a week where you don't want to make your own meals, I highly recommend them. Anyways, back to their story. They initially met during the summer at Harvard University where they worked on a group project together. What I love is they had zero intention of ever coming together romantically. They just enjoyed each other's company. And you can totally hear how in love they are, even despite all the things that they have gone through. And they're just really, really honest with their own journeys of overcoming addiction and coming to terms with your emotions and learning how to manage them well, a spiritual practice and two people coming from completely different cultures and backgrounds. This is a story that personally resonated with me because if you ask any of my closest friends, there's a joke about how there's a very low likelihood of me marrying somebody from my own culture. And my parents have always said the same thing too. I just have always been more attracted to and interested in people of other cultures. And with that, there comes a big unknown. And it's something that I have personally stressed out about in some ways, you know, because when you date somebody with a different background, there's so much more to learn and figure out. And that's part of the fun, but it's also sometimes stressful. And so they're really honest about that here. And without further ado, here's our conversation. Our love story started at Harvard. We were taking the same class together, and we really didn't talk to each other until we were paired on a project together. And you can jump in at any point, but we just worked really well together, and we ended up, you know, we had class three hours a day together, and then we spent the rest of the five, six hours a day together, and we did that every day for several weeks until the class was over and she went on vacation to florida and i didn't really think we were gonna do anything but then i realized that i really missed her so i wanted her to be my girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so my version of the story is pretty similar, but I was listening because I've heard <laughs> that when people who uh, know us individually yeah. have heard that story, that it's kind of funny because we tell it so different. Yes. So tell your version. So my version is the same. The detail there that's missing is it was a summer course, which is why it was so intensive. Right. And he said we weren't, we didn't talk to a parent on a project, but that was literally like day two of the class or day three of the class. So oh. it was, it was super in the beginning and we were spending all this time together and uh, because we had to, because we were getting through this course and it was, you know, totally platonic until like the day before, you know, the, the last couple of days of class. Um, mm. Yeah. It was like the last week of class. And yeah, so it was, it was a surprise that no, neither of us were expecting or no. And we, I think for me, that's why it was so awesome. Cause like, she was very focused on like getting her graduate degree. Like she was in the zone and I was also in the zone, like very career oriented. Like we were there for on, on a mission and like we happened to take each other off guard. Like it was very natural that, oh, I want, we, I mean, we were talking about our project. We were like leading the group project. Like we wanted to work together so much. We talked about business ideas about education and we were just like super passionate and then after she left i felt a void in my day and i was like you know so it felt very natural that oh this is somebody that i want to be with that i want to have as a part of my life so yeah that's how we got started so you asked her to be your girlfriend Heather, did you get taken aback or was that something that you were once secretly wanting as well? Um, I don't remember him asking me to be his girlfriend. So if that happened, <laughs> I don't know. But um, I do know that I got really excited about him. And I was, I, you know, we talked and we, you know, we stayed in touch. He was staying for the rest of the summer in Cambridge and I had left. And so I came um, to visit you. Yeah, he ended up hating his second summer semester course, so he dropped it and then came and spent some time with me in Austin. And that was really special because anytime you feel like you're being mischievous together, hmm. <laughs> it was like kind of adventurous and it was a lot of fun. But that's not oh, when I knew. I know. Yeah, go ahead. What? I know what you're going to say. Oh, oh, go ahead. What am I going to Like say? when you knew? <laughs> no, you don't know this. All right, go ahead. No, what do you think? I think like on the day you were leaving campus the next day. Yeah. And so we spent, we, late at night, we like walked all over Cambridge. Mm. Remember? And we went to yeah. HBS. Yeah. And then we like found this bench that was on. So there's a little bitty there's a, puny river that runs between Harvard and MIT. And so we found a bench and we, and we were sitting there and we were like looking across the river and Harvard Business School was on the other side. And we were just sitting there in silence, like we were just sitting there in silence and it felt, yes, I remember it. Like, I don't know. I can't, there was no, like, uh, it was, yeah. it was a very special moment. Like the energy was very special. You know, when they say you can be around somebody and not talk, that that's kind of 
Yeah. You know, it's special in its own right. Yeah. You know, it was a very unexpected moment. So I, I started grad school after I was kind of doing like an eat, pray, love backpacking around the world thing. And I met this woman and she told me, and she was just awesome. This just awesome woman. And she told me that she knew the moment that she wanted to be with her husband. They were just traveling together at the time, like 30 years prior or whatever. And she said that there was this moment when he talked about something about his family, when he would talk about it, she realized like how much he cared about people that were important in his life. And that was like a moment that she realized she wanted him to be in her life. And I never forgot when she said that because Mm. I remember thinking I've never had that moment. And actually it was the walk. It was the same walk he's talking about before the bench and Mm. silence. He was talking about his brother. Mm. Did I tell you this? No. Yeah. I don't think so. Um, He's talking about his brother and he said, I asked him like, well, something like, why do you care what he thinks or what he, you know, sharing with him or something um, really curious, but probably a little selfish. And your response was like, it was so simple. He said, well, what's mine is his. And I remember thinking like, that's how um, people are in my life. Like, you know, like what's mine is theirs. And I just remember like that was a total alignment on values and um, it stuck with me. It like hit me straight to the heart because most people, I don't know, just aren't like that. It's, it's, you know, so. <laughs> That's what's up. Look at you guys learning things about each other on the Love and Lay podcast. <laughs> Okay, now I would love to move forward on how you guys both ended up in Austin from that moment and the story behind Prep to Your Door. So I was in Dubai working on another venture. And basically, fast forward maybe five months, four months, three months. Okay, three months. Anyways, I decided to move here just because, (laughs) I don't know, long distance is just, especially across the world, like, it's very challenging and you just lose a lot of the magic. And I was just very convinced that it was worth it. And it totally has been. So I moved. And the way that Prep to Your Door started was Heather used to meal prep for herself in mason jars when she lived in new york city um and so we used to do it she used to do it for us and i was applying for jobs while i was here and i'm an entrepreneur at heart and i was miserable looking for a job and so we just i just had the idea like why don't we try to get a few clients you know i'll be able to generate a little bit of income you know while i find a job but like we just got super passionate about it, both of us, and it took time, but now it's a real, real thing. We read 
the lean startup together. Oh, uh, yes. Um, and so even though the food that's made today in the kitchen and delivered all over Austin is essentially the creation and ideas that I had in New York, we wanted to go on the journey of true entrepreneurs and being super flexible and listening to the market. So we actually totally started in a different category. We were doing smoothies. Um, we weren't even using Mason jars. Um, we were then doing on demand smoothies for, uh, gyms, uh, high end fitness centers here in Austin. And it just led us full circle right back to food. So it's really cool to have that experience because I think that um, the lean startup was at least how I learned because I don't consider myself an entrepreneur by nature. I learned like, oh, you know, a lot of people have great ideas, but what does the market want? You know, to never be, um, n- never hold on to your ideals like that. Like really try to like see, find the hole. Um, so we went on that whole path. We just happened to be lucky and, and ended right back here uh, where we started, which is super responsible, organic, delicious food delivered at people's doors, like really taking the, you know, taking that off of people's plates mm. so that, oh, that's, uh, that was a, um, what's that called? A pun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a great one. That, um, yeah. Uh, taking that, you know, um, they don't have to think about it. We take care of that for them. It's like a, it's a very simple idea, obviously, you know, every city has some version of this, but I think what's been, we're just very value oriented in our business. Um, like the way we've grown the product, the way we connect with people. But I think a really important part of the story was that when we met, I was a big time meat eater, like, five times a day, six times a day type of thing. And she was vegetarian. And one of the things that I did to try to impress her was go vegetarian for like 10 days. Mm. And I did it and I ended up really liking it. Not, <laughs> I didn't like go full on vegetarian after that, but like it opened my eyes that, oh, like I don't have to pound meat all day to like still be a man. So <laughs> like that was really interesting for me. So I started learning a lot. And so the way I looked at food changed a lot because growing up, you know, I was very like, you know, carbs, protein, fat, like rice, chicken, and maybe a little bit of broccoli. And like, we're good to go. Let's pump some iron. And like, I started to develop, like really learn about the quality part about food, not so much just the calorie counting. So that's been a really cool part about Prep to Your Door for for me is like watching her and our chefs create our menu every week is like such a creative thing to witness because they look at what's in season, what's growing around Austin, like what are the farms actually growing? And like they create these recipes from nothing using vegetables that I've never heard of before. And like, it's just, it's so creative and so unique. And I think it's just one of the reviews that we got recently was that it's an adventure every week. And it's an adventure for me too. And I think that's just one of the really fun parts for me. Heather, what were you doing before? So I thought I was going to be 
teaching mathematics to the children, our next generation, making them love it. That's kind of what I studied in college. I really, really wanted to bring math to people and like make it fun, especially girls. Cause you know, the STEM programs for girls is not as easily um, accessed for women, for young women. So anyways, that was my goal. That's why I was in New York city. I was actually in a program called teach for America. Um, and unfortunately that did not work out. My paperwork and certification and everything just didn't transfer on time. And so I all of a sudden found myself with about 20% of the items that I owned in Texas because I sold everything, a lease in Manhattan that I had my name on that was more than I'd ever paid for rent in my entire life, and my little dog. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So after about three weeks of ordering food and being depressed in my apartment, I, uh, I just went out and I was like, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to do whatever I can. So I, I started in retail and I hated it and ended up finding a luxury brand that I really liked and um, just kind of built a book of business styling celebrities and I guess really important people in the city in New York and really learned, I guess my eyes just being from a small town in Texas were just so opened to I guess money, you know, like seeing the kind of money out there, but it wasn't just money, just commerce and uh, opportunity and things that I had never been exposed to. So, you know, I guess relationship management Mm. was was my background. Mm. That's really cool to hear how you guys both started um, and then ended up building this amazing company together. How has working on this company or creating your little baby together um, impacted your relationship? I think baby is probably the right analogy. I think, I mean, we don't know. We haven't had kids, but we've had this thing. And we started it maybe six months into our relationship. And I think it through like the development of our relationship into hyperdrive because we have spent like 24 hours a day, seven days a week with each other for the last several years. We've seen the good, the bad, the amazing moments, and like the worst moments. Like we've seen it all together. Yeah, I think, I think that the hyperdrive was a good, was a good way to describe it. We, you know, the stress of starting a new business and, you know, everything being hinging on this, um, at the same time, learning to live with one another and, uh, learning about the other person. And, you know, all of that was happening, happening simultaneously. Um, so Hmm. it feels like, I mean, I feel like I've been with you like a decade now because I've grown a decade. Um, so I would, I would just say that it, in some ways it's, really tested our relationship. And in some ways it's really strengthened our relationship. How many years have you guys been together? Almost three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we met, um, in June. So this June would be three years. Yeah. Do you have any advice for couples entering entrepreneurship or 
are are wanting to entertain that idea of starting something together? So we were looking at this question before and both of our gut reactions were don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like I thought about it and where I kind of land on it is if if you are a genuine entrepreneur and like you have what it takes, then you're going to do it regardless of that advice. And if you find yourself at that stage where you put everything into it and now you're there, the mantra that I kind of have for myself, because this is my personal thing is be constructive, not critical Mm. because like you have so much on the line when you're making decisions, like you have, we put every dollar into this plus more. And so certain decisions seem like, you know, the world is going to fall apart if it's not the right decision. So it's just like, be constructive. Don't be critical, be positive. And stand shoulder to shoulder not not against each other like that's the visual that both of us like when we when we catch ourselves it's like are we standing shoulder to shoulder right now or are we like fighting with each other and we we're like really developing an awareness of when we start to like turn from being side by side to across from each other and then we stop remove ourselves and come back later it's not that smooth always but like just like you try to develop a self-awareness within yourself, you develop an awareness within your relationship of, of what your patterns are. And so, you know, we, we, we just try to practice that with each other every day. Yeah, I would say, so one of the things that my sister and my mom, um, my mom got remarried, they did like a little mini counseling with the preacher and there were these questions that were so like hard to answer that that they asked before they even got married and so i'm just going to throw one out there like what happens if one of your parents gets sick and so it was like oh we have to talk about that now we're not married like you know you find out does the other person is it okay that the the, the parent comes and lives with the, you or not and it's like, oh, I don't want to talk about that because you're so excited. You're about to marry the love of your life. And I I think that for for these purposes, expectations and roles, you know, all of that gets blurred and misunderstood because you're in the thick of it. And so I would I really recommend before, you know, doing this with your partner, like having that talk, like, well, what are we gonna do if we run out of money? And what are we going to do if one of us wants to quit? And how do we handle this situation if we both aren't sure we're going to succeed in this? Like, you know, and just really talking about that, that hard stuff, because what do we do if we break up? What do we do if we break up? What happens to the business if we break up? Yeah. So I just think like having those conversations, you really find out if like, this is something you want to you want to do. And if y'all can talk through those hard questions before they've happened and get it all written down and organized and like have this understanding, you'll be fine. Yeah. You will. I I, I truly believe that. But having those things like thrown at you in the thick of it can be really compromising for your mental health. (laughs) When in your journey, did you have that conversation 
around those hard conversations of like, what happens if you guys were to break up? About six months ago, we really had to start having those conversations because the, the business grew so much. And we started bringing on so many employees that it became bigger than us. And when you start having discussions of, of taking an outside capital, those things have to be written out very clearly. And so, you know, it was kind of awkward for me. Like I really resented the whole situation of like having to negotiate with my partner. Like, ah, it just like, I hated it inside, but we did it. We've done it and we're going to have to keep doing it by the way, like every step of the business as it grows and other people get involved, you know, but that's why it's so important to have like good practices with your partner so that you, you can face those challenging questions. What's been one of the hardest parts of your relationship and how did you guys move through it? So I developed a really nasty habit with smoking weed to cope with stress and anxiety. And it got to a point where it was really interfering with our relationship and like life in general. Like we still work so much and all the time. And it became my coping strategy. And so like getting sober uh, really put our relationship to the test. It brought out all the ugliness in both of us, you know, everything you can imagine. And we're in like, I can't even describe how much of a better place. It's like magic. If you can get through those things together, it's unbelievable. But when it is happening, it seems like you're in hell, especially because it's like the customers need to get delivered to, the food needs to get made, the employees are waiting, like we need to have this super intense fight right now, and then we need to go have a meeting in 15 minutes. And so like, <laughs> it's very intense, but that was, that was probably the thing that really put our relationship to the test, but here we are. I also... I wasn't going to share that because I don't know that it's my story to share, but I wanted to add that something else we've, I think we've had to get through was um, coming from different cultures mm. and um, experiencing life as a white woman versus a person of color. Um, yeah. And just realizing how different um, yeah. that was for each of us and what that meant for how people we have had a alarm go off in our kitchen and I've seen a cop approach him. And when I walk up, everything's okay. Mm. And just having that understanding that it's different, that took a long time. It was a really hard journey for me because I felt guilt about it. So mm. you feel guilt, you get defensive. And so um, I would say that's uh, one of the most rewarding things that's come out of our relationship is just me opening my eyes to mm. just to that, just to that very fact. I mean, also for me, it, it was, there was a lot of growth around being in an interracial relationship and having 
that that was actually probably the first hurdle that we had to cross because you know you think it's all good but then like something happens and you have to have the conversation about like white privilege or you know whatever and it doesn't go the way that you think it's gonna go but we don't have issues about that stuff anymore like it's like like the name of your podcast is so perfect it's like what's your intention like is it to make a point or is it to understand and so like i understand her perspective a lot more now like what it's like to be white and have conversations about race in america and she understands my perspective a lot more about what it's like to be a colored guy and also have those same conversations and i feel like we're not trying to make point to make the other person feel bad or not heard anymore it's just change you know our our country's going through a pretty weird time with all of this stuff so i just feel way better equipped to like really process all of this because it's it's really easy to get angry but like you know half of my family is 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 basically white now and so like i can't draw oversimplifications of like oh white people are a certain way you know so like i've grown a lot as a person um and vice versa wow thanks so much for sharing that um the conversation around addiction whether it's with weed or other substances is one that many couples battle or cross and that is one of those topics that not very many people can share comfortably or and and so there's not a lot out there on how to get help to get beyond that. Um, going back to what you had first said about your weed addiction and overcoming that, what was most helpful for you in that season to like, from the moment that you decided you wanted to stop consuming um, as much weed? Yeah. What was most helpful for you? Well, my sponsor, uh, you probably know him, Shay. I basically talk to him every day and doing the 12 steps like it's very simple you know if shay didn't if he wasn't so open and honest on his instagram like i wouldn't have known to reach out to him when i was struggling and i'll, I'll just throw in adderall into the mix as well because i know a lot of people struggle with these things and we tend to like brush over it and so yeah i reached out to him and and i i feel like you know, I have to be open about it as well in case somebody happens to listen to this and they want to reach out to me. Like that that's what helped me the most is is being able to talk to somebody who's been there about it and developing a spiritual practice and learning to stay grounded and connected with myself and the people around me. It's not as simple as abstinence. Mm. There's more that goes into it. What does your spiritual practice look like now? I don't know what is it well we prayed before we got on this podcast you know neither of us is like religious um we don't define it in any sort of way but like i listen to i listen to preachers on sunday i'm not christian but i do because i can get something from their message and but like yeah it's it's really as simple like the first thought in my head uh every morning now and it, it required development was like praying to god um, and being thankful for waking up and just saying gratitude. And we do that with each other. Like, what are we grateful for? We do that every day. It's, it's very intentional. Anytime I'm in a car, like I'm driving, like I have beads 
and I just count my gratitudes. And it's like hundreds every day. I'm doing like hundreds of gratitudes. So it like really primes my brain to have a certain perspective and, you know, how I connect with other people. So it's like a daily thing. And that's, and that's one of the things is that's changed about me is I thought I could get all my reps in today and it would last me for the next seven days. But it's really an intentional practice every day. Like, how do you want to show up in the world? I really appreciate you sharing that because I think the idea of a spiritual practice is something that millennials kind of talk about a lot, but the practical day-to-days of what does that actually look like and how can you just integrate it easily um, gets lost. Get some beads and put them in your car and whenever you're driving, instead of listening to music, just count some gratitudes. Like it's very, it's that simple. By the 20th gratitude, like I'm feeling like, like so much different, you know? Um, is there anything that you would tell yourselves like three years ago when you were first entering an interracial relationship? Like I'm thinking for other couples that are maybe early on and still kind of struggling with those conversations. What would you tell yourselves? I think that the most humbling thing about being in a relationship is, you know, there's a, there's a famous, I mean, there's a saying, it's like the older I get, the more I realize what I don't know. And for me, I, that was like a very humbling truth is like, I'm, you know, I'm book smart and I know what I know. Right. But just like I kind of mentioned earlier, meeting somebody that we're living in the same world and experiencing it so differently. So I guess that is kind of the basis for what I'm what I mean when I say, which would be my advice, is just really listening and the curiosity that goes behind, like, what's their experience? And honestly, it doesn't really matter if your partner is a different uh, shade of skin, color. Like, it doesn't matter. It's really, um, this is true for everybody. And, like, I want to know. Like, so I opened my eyes this morning and I'm laughing and I'm smiling. And if they are or aren't, whatever, it's like, Oh, what is in your what is in your brain right now? And it's just really that is something that I think is also a daily practice because they're experiencing the world like light years away from where you are and you're standing right next to each other or laying right next to each other and that's mm. fascinating to me. So that's what I mean when I say like the <laughs> I feel like I don't know anything really. Mm. Um, and just really trying to connect with your partner in that way. Yeah. Mm. I would say the same exact thing, uh, which is listen. And listening is such an active process. And I think, you know, more practically speaking, I was really afraid to meet her family because I wasn't sure what they were going to think of me. And I was also really afraid for her to meet my family because I wasn't sure how they were going to react to her. But I think being really honest with each other about how you're feeling in the moment is really important. Like communicating, like I'm, I'm afraid, I'm not sure how this is going to go. Like I'm really anxious right now so that you can be partners in those moments. And like my fears for both my family and her family were like totally worthless. Like I love her family, her family loves me. And the same thing with mine, like, Ultimately, I mean, that's our experience. It may be different for other people, but like as long as 
you can stay strong with each other. That's what's important. Yeah. Are there any practices or what are things that you guys do to balance running a company together and staying connected? We struggle with that all the time. Mm. We'll be like, okay, no work. We're not going to talk about any work. And we'll just talk about something else. And I kid you not, just start the timer. <laughs> 60 seconds later, we're talking about work. Like it's so natural for us. And I think that's because of how our relationship began, which was in school. So we just naturally were in this cycle of working together, right? So it's extra, extra hard for us. But when we finally, we have to try a few times. And when we finally put it aside and we're just like being goofy with one another and talking about whatever it is, movies, families, people watching. It is Riding lime scooters. It's so, yeah, we ride those little scooters around. So Tell me your battle battle scars. That's okay. That's the best. Oh, he's got a. He's got a. Yeah, I broke my elbow on one of those. So days. cliche. He walks into the ER and they're they like, knew. "Oh, scooter." <laughs> no way. Yes. Oh yeah. They're like they said they get, it's like all they get. You know these little urgent care centers. That's what they get all day every day. Someone fell off the freaking oh, scooter. Man. Anyway, um, yeah. Anything to like free our mind of that of that bond that really strong business bond that we have it's it feels like a weight it's like so cool to explore that part of the brain mm -hmm. with each other yeah for me yeah it's really hard like what do we talk about except business like what <laughs> but like after well, we you can. get through that hurdle if you stay committed to it then we get to this place where oh there is life outside of this <laughs> <laughs> we do have so many things to talk about it's, it it's just cool. takes a minute to get there yeah yeah I feel like the best relationships are made up of a million little things that you do intentionally for each other or together. What are some of the most meaningful things that each person does for the other? So my job in this relationship <laughs> is to make sure he's fed. <laughs> it's like my whole day. It's like making sure he takes his vitamins making sure he has a little shake, making sure he has a good lunch, making sure I have something kind of like going for dinner. And this is not a gender role thing. This is not like, you know, I'm not a homemaker by any means. This is the way that I love him because I know that this is part of his like daily fuel for feeling good. And I love being a part of that. And also, you make me eat healthier. <laughs> <laughs> I might have some motives there as well. Uh, yeah, if he looks better, it works out great for you too. Yeah, and if he feels better, then we're going to get along better. So I may as well feed him some kale. <laughs> for me, it's like it's one of the things that I, I think I'm pretty good at now but was a learning curve for living in the same space was being cleaner. Like I was such a bro. Like I would just leave my underwear laying around and like, you know, I'd take off my clothes downstairs and just leave them for the next three days. And like it, <laughs> it caused legitimate conflict in the relationship. And so now I'm like very, like the kitchen is pretty dirty right now. Like I'm for sure going to clean it. <laughs> 
I just know it's one of those things that she really appreciates, and I kind of like it too now. So I've like kind of grown up, I guess. <laughs> yes. So cleanliness. It's cool. He has like. I like make the bed. I'll totally put the laundry away. Better than me sometimes now. Wow. It's I'm great. Pretty, yeah, it's great with the bed. He, ma- I used to make the bed every day, and now he makes the bed, and I notice. What are some of your favorite parts about each other? I have never met somebody. First of all, he's way smarter than me. Like that's not like fishing for a compliment. That's not me just trying to make him feel good. Like he's so much more intelligent than me. And so that's like super, super attractive to me. Um, But that's not even like important because there's a ton of smart people out there and they're assholes. So that really doesn't mean anything in itself. But what I appreciate about his intelligence is that he doesn't take it for granted. He thinks about things on such a deep level down to the, from something as personal to him as his recovery and spirituality to something as big as political decisions in the country and, and tracing the repercussions and societal impact and uh, global economy of every decision. He's just absolutely brilliant. Um, and it's, I don't want to say I don't have any fear, but I feel like super safe because I just feel like if we were ever in a position where I don't know what to do, I know that we could figure it out because he's just so brilliant. I had to think about it, but for me, it's her honesty. That was without a doubt one of the things that attracted me to her um, was, I mean, it's it's kind of the other side of this. I, I get very in my head. I think a lot. And when we were in class, she was literally the most active participant. I mean, anything that would come into her ha- head, she would share with the class. She's very open with people. Like she'll talk to anybody. We'll say, oh, we should like do business with these people. And before I know it, like I'm looking over my shoulder and she's in the door striking a conversation with somebody. And so she like carries this honesty with her into every aspect of her life. And it's helped me develop that. And that's an important part of my recovery as well is like this commitment to honesty. And it's something we carry into our company as well, like transparency about the food and for sure, that's my favorite quality about her is she is so open. Even if somebody's going to judge her for, you know, whatever she may be sharing, like she is honest. I love that. Uh, well, how can our audience, our listeners support you and find you guys? Um, well, first of all, they can always send me a personal email, uh, which is heather at prep to your door.com. And I open that up to anybody because I've met some incredible people in the community that way. Yeah. So if anybody needs advice or wants to partner, like I'd love to hear from you. Our answer is always, if we can, we will. So that's first and foremost. And then yeah. obviously give us some Instagram love and it's at prep your door. Yeah. And like for me, shoot me a DM also email fires at prep to your door. Like, even if it's not not business related, like if anybody took the time to listen to this podcast and you're listening, 
up until this point, like I would love to get a message from you. Like I just like to get coffee with people. I would love to talk to you on the phone. I would just, I like to make friends. So yeah, shoot me a DM, shoot me an email. That leads me to wanting to just take a minute to acknowledge both of you and say thank you so much for being so open and honest in this this time together, but also just the lights that you guys are in our community. I mentioned before we hopped on here that so many people from Sprint Squad or otherwise have told me that I needed to interview both of you and I can completely see why. Um, and it's just been an absolute joy. And I know that you guys are just a positive light to so many people in your in our community. Um, so just thank you for being you guys and for making amazing, transparent, good for you food and making that so easy for all of us, but also all of the things you do beyond that. Thank you. Thank you. That's I feel so nice. Like I feel really good vibration in my body right now. Like I feel really good. <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> this is, is great. really fun. It's absolutely great. Thank you for having us. Of course. Uh, but my next question is: What is the best relationship advice you have ever received or could give? I would say it's from our therapist, which is what I said earlier about standing shoulder to shoulder. I have good advice for how to pick your partner. Because I think that that's probably on more people's brains. For some reason, sure. everybody's obsessed with finding the person they're supposed to be. Don't look. Yeah, <laughs> but that's not. But that. But that's fine. If no, it's okay to look. It is okay to look. It's because you're manifesting that. So that's okay. Um, don't be crazy that you can look. Um, so, but no, my my mom gave me this advice, and this is how I found this dude. She told me. When the sex appeal is gone and there's the looks, you know, you've, you've aged, everything's gone away, let's say money and everything physical, the only thing you really have with your partner is conversation. So that's how you pick your partner. And that's something that we both mentioned as to why we had something shift between us. It was a conversation. Mm -hmm. So I would say that um, just like this podcast and how conversations are so important, really pay attention to that and your partner will reveal themselves. Mm. They may already be in your life. Mm. And last question is what does love intently or love mean to you? It's selfless. I think true love is selfless. And I think you're that way to me. You definitely put me first. Probably more than I put you first, to be honest. But putting myself in your shoes and you putting putting yourself in my shoes. I will end on that because I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Thank you so much for listening, friends. This episode was an absolute blast for me to record. I deeply adore Heather and Fayez as people, as business owners. 
They are so deeply cherished in our community in Austin. I have so many friends that have phenomenal things to say about them too. And if you enjoyed this episode and took a lot out of it, it would mean the world to both of us if you could take a screenshot and tag us and let us know what resonated with you. For me personally, it helps me learn what type of content or what other types of guests or couples to bring on to provide you even more value. And for them, it's just like a little love reminder of how they're making an impact through their story. Thank you so much again for listening. And if you have a minute, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps other people find us and helps me to be able to continue doing what I love, which is providing you guys with amazing content week after week. Before we go, I wanted to let you in on a little secret and what to expect in the coming weeks. I am personally going to step out of the shadows and be more brave with sharing more of my story. When you look at the statistics of the episode downloads, I have found the episode with the attachment styles with me and Annabelle on here being consistently the most downloaded episode month over month. And I haven't shared that much about it because I had a massive vulnerability hangover. So if there are specific things about my journey that you're curious about or want to know about, please reach out either via email. You can email hello at loveintently.com with your questions or things that you would like to know or find me on Instagram. My personal is at sofquok and loveintently is at love.intently and just DM us and Give me your questions because I am choosing to be brave and share more of that because I've learned that our personal stories when we go really deep is really what brings out inspiration and change. And I am where I am today because of hundreds of other thought leaders that I have listened to that shared their stories personally. And this is something that I haven't talked about up until this point, I don't believe, but There was some trauma that was uncovered for me about a year ago, and I am going to start sharing more about that journey of uncovering this really intense trauma that my teenage brain blocked out and what it's looked like to heal as somebody in her mid-20s and what it looks like to thrive today in business with that. It has been painful. It has been hard, but... I know it's powerful and I know that it happened for a reason and I'm here for a reason and me creating love intently isn't an accident. So with that being said, we're going to start to transition to more one-on-one conversations and solo episodes of just topics and conversations that I've been really passionate about but more dormant on partially because I've been scared and the other part because I just wasn't ready but that's all changing. And I'm really thankful for all of you. And I, I know in my spirit and my gut and my intuition that this is the stuff that I was put on earth to do. And this was the real stuff that I created love intently to do. So this next season is going to be different, but it's also exciting. And I'm so excited to share my journey with you until next time with love and intention.